0: Isn't it great to be able to get together again with our our families? How we have missed that over this past couple of years. We think about our families. We think about some of the big events that we weren't able to mark. Big birthdays. Maybe some want to forget that today, but big birthdays and wedding anniversaries. Also, sad events where families were kept apart. We missed out on so many big occasions. And I know that today this will be a great occasion for William and Megan and all of your family as you join together. We were able to have a family get-together ourselves on Easter Monday, my brother who lives in Finland. They were back for the first time in over two years, and all of our family got together at the manse, and it was an amazing moment just for everyone to be reunited again. We have been reading together in God's Word today about a very special family get-together. It was a reunion of one of the most important families that we meet in the Scriptures. So, I invite you to turn with me again, please, to Genesis chapter 45. That's one of the things that I love about here in Connor that I can see today. So many Bibles open, people engaging with God's Word in their printed Bible or on their device. And today, we finish this series looking together at Joseph and his amazing dysfunctional family. By now, those of you who belong here to Connor will be familiar with this story of Joseph, the lad from the the, the terribly dysfunctional family. He'd been despised by his brothers, sold by them into slavery, falsely accused in Egypt by Potiphar's wife, so that he was left to rot in a prison cell. And when things could not get any worse, then one of the people in that prison that he showed kindness to forgot Joseph in his moment of great need. And it's been a while since we have looked together at the story of Joseph and his family with Easter and different things that have been happening It's been a few weeks, so today we're going to fast forward to the end of this story, where we see an incredible example that is set for us by Joseph, but much more crucially, this is a passage where we see incredible truth about God. This is a chapter that helps us to understand the gospel of grace, the good news of what God has done for us through His Son, the Lord Jesus. And I would encourage you in your own time to read for yourself through chapters 41 to 44, and to map out that progression that brought Joseph to the point that he is now at, when he becomes so prominent in the land of Egypt. But it's all summed up in chapter 41 and and verse 41. If you look back at that chapter and that verse… We're told that Pharaoh said to Joseph, after Joseph had successfully interpreted his dreams, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then it tells us that Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, and he put it on Joseph's finger. And that was an incredibly symbolic act. It was Pharaoh saying, the authority that I have, I'm passing on to you, Joseph. But remember that this is the story of Joseph and his amazing dysfunctional family. And while he was on the rise, times were not so good for Jacob and his sons. The famine that was going around in this region had hit them hard, so much so that they then went to Egypt to buy grain. And this is where the story gets really good and interesting, because they're led into the very presence of Joseph himself, but totally failed to recognize him. And all of this culminates with this amazing family reunion with the brothers getting the shock of their lives. As we turn to this chapter today, there is so much that we could draw out from this passage and this final time looking at this story, but let me leave you with two things today. Let's think about Joseph's grace and God's plan. First of all, we consider Joseph's grace, but much more importantly, when we look at His grace, it ultimately points us to God's grace in Christ. And I want to thank you for the feedback that you have given me on this series. I've loved some of the conversations I've been having with people about this section of God's Word, and I know that a lot of you have been pretty surprised by some of the things that you've been reading in this part of Genesis, and some of you have said, I just couldn't believe that things like that happened in the Bible, because there have been many negatives in this story, great levels of dysfunctionality. This is a, a dysfunctional family because it is made up of dysfunctional people like you and me, because that's what sin does to us. And so, it's been a story of jealousy and deceit and lust and injustice. And yet, right at the end, we're able to discover that it is also a story of grace and forgiveness. Look again with me in chapter 45 at this powerful account of Joseph's attitude to his brothers right at the end, for it's an attitude that I believe we can learn from today. And it begins with Joseph not being able to hold back anymore. We, we read in verse 1 that he could no longer control himself, so that in verse 3, he said to his brothers, "'I am Joseph. It's the big reveal. Look, it's me.'" And I imagine that in that moment of the big reveal, two things would have occurred to these brothers. First of all, what they had done to him, and then secondly, who he had become. And that's a powerful combination because this gave Joseph motive and opportunity for revenge. And so we can really identify with the reaction of the brothers in verse 3. We understand what we're told here, that they were terrified at his presence. You see, they feared the worse, but Joseph treated them the best. What's his response? Well, it's summarized there in verse 4 in those words that he speaks to his brother come close to me and we need to understand the way in which that would have been said it was with arms like this it was come here come close to me and yet think about who joseph is saying this to remember what these men have put their brother joseph through that they planned to murder him that they then sold him into slavery because they've been consumed with hatred towards him when he was a young boy, and yet Joseph's attitude now, come close to me. And this is an attitude of grace, and it gives us a picture of the ultimate grace. The Lord has shown sinful people like us, isn't that what the gospel is all about? Think about what we read earlier in this book, the fall, the descent of mankind into sin. And ever since we have rebelled against God, we have sought in our lives to put as much distance between God and ourselves as we can, like our first parents, Adam and Eve, who were hiding in the garden because they were conscious of their sin. And because of our rebellion, the God who has made us, the God who has given us everything, He has every right to reject and banish sinful people like us, and yet in Christ He says, come close to Me. Indeed, through Christ, through His death on the cross, He has made it possible for us to draw near to come close. So, have you? But Joseph not only shows us what God's grace is like, he acts in the way that he does because of his awareness of God's grace in his life. How can he do this? How can he act in the way that he does towards his brothers who have wronged him so badly? Well, it all comes back to the close relationship that Joseph had with the Lord and the trust that he placed on him. When you look back at Joseph's time in Egypt, all the way through that time, he acknowledged God. In fact, let's trace that and think about some of the things that we've already read about Joseph. If we go back to chapter 39 and verse 9, and he's tempted by Potiphar's wife, and as we said before, it's not like she was some has-been. She was the The wife of a a captain of the guard. She would have been stunning and glamorous, and yet Joseph is able to say to her, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? In the following chapter, chapter 40 and verse 8, when the, the servants of Pharaoh are freaking out about the dreams that they've had, Joseph points out a truth. He says in chapter 40, verse 8, do not interpretations belong to God? And in the following chapter, chapter 41, verse 16, when he's standing before the most powerful man in the world, the Pharaoh, who in himself believes that he is a God, Joseph is not frightened to say, you want help with your dreams? Well, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph's focus was on the Lord. And here's the key for us today. Joseph sought to treat others in the way that God had treated him, not in the way that they had treated him. And that's so important for us to hear and understand. In fact, I'll repeat that again Joseph sought to treat others in the way that God had treated him, not in the way that they had treated him. He knew God's grace at work in his life, and he showed to others the grace that God had shown him. And we know that the example that Joseph gives us here is ultimately a Christ-like example. There are wonderful parallels between Joseph and the Lord Jesus. Think about Jesus, who was treated unjustly to the point of death, who was abandoned by His disciples, and ultimately it was our sin, it was your sin and my sin that put Him there on the cross. But not only does Joseph help us to understand what Jesus is like by saying, come close to me, he also helps us to to understand what Jesus has done. Because I want you to take a look at the message that the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, sends to Jacob's sons in verse 20. Look at this verse. And these wonderful words where Pharaoh himself says, never mind your belongings because the best of Egypt will be yours. And what a promise. What an invitation given by the most powerful man in the world. And why is it possible? Well, it's because of their relationship to Joseph. It's because they are His brothers. It's because of what Joseph has done and His worthiness to reign alongside Pharaoh. And I wonder today, can you see the wonderful parallel? The Lord invited those who are His to enjoy the very best that He has to give, ultimately to enjoy that new creation, And why is it possible? Well, because of our relationship to Jesus. Because, as God's Word tells us in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the brother who is not ashamed of us. It's because of what He has done on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, and His worthiness to reign at the right hand of His Father people, this is the gospel. And what does this mean for us here today? Well, I wonder, are you terrified of standing before God, so conscious of your sin and of how you could not be accepted by Him of yourself? Well, if you have not yet bowed the knee before Jesus, before the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, then know this grace and bow before Him today. And what about believers in Christ here? Well, the application of this for us is both demanding and uncomfortable, as Scripture penetrates our life. Far too often, we treat people in accordance with how they have treated us, We so often fail to take into account the grace that God has shown us in our lives. And so, we fall out with people in the church. We get into family disputes. We're on bad terms with people. We sometimes feel hard done by. But think of how God in His grace has dealt with you and treat others accordingly. Joseph's grace ultimately points us to God's grace. But then, very, very briefly, God's plan. And the key verse that links these two points today comes later in the book, in chapter 50 and verse 20. I'd love you to look with me at that verse for one moment. Genesis 50 verse 20, once again, Joseph speaking to his brothers, and he says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And just to set the scene here, by the time we get to chapter 50, Jacob, the father of this family, dies. And so, the brothers are once again in fear. They expect that now that Jacob is out of the way, Joseph will change his tune. But instead, once again, He shows them immense grace. And in doing so, He summarizes the central point of His life story. And the idea that is seen here is, is so clearly seen also back in what we are looking at today in chapter 45, where Joseph shares with his brothers how the Lord was working His purposes out, in Joseph's life. Look back at chapter 45 and verse 5. He says, Now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And again, there are brilliant parallels with Jesus. Do you see those words? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. we think of what happened hundreds of years later at the cross, that later on the day of Pentecost, one of the disciples of Jesus, Peter, speaking about all that happened in those moments leading up to the cross, said of Jesus in Acts 2 verse 23, "'This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men.'" put Him to death by nailing Him to the cross? Do you see the the sovereignty and the greatness, the perfect wisdom of our God, who uses even the evil intentions and actions of people to accomplish ultimate good for His people, so that it brings us right back to this theme verse for this series? It brings us back to where we started, the first day we considered Joseph and his amazing dysfunctional family, that hundreds of years later, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words to the Romans. In Romans 8, verse 28, he says, and we know that in all things, not just the the good things or the easy things or the blessed things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And isn't the story of Joseph and his family the ultimate proof of this? How God rules and overrules in all the circumstances of our lives, how His people are under His guiding and protecting hand? I hope today, that as we come to the end of this series, that those here who are God's people in Christ will take real encouragement from this story and from this promise, that you'll take encouragement that God is directing your life for your Christ-likeness, your ultimate good. And you heard me write, those who are God's people in Christ, only His people in Christ, so that if you are not one of God's people, if what you're seeing on the screen, what we're hearing and reading today, is not the case for you, that you would be constrained today to look to Jesus. Jesus. Because Joseph's life demonstrates the wonderful truth of what Paul tells us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Amen. And we give thanks to God for this great truth.